0: Welcome back to Black Women Voices. You're tuned in to season two, episode five, and today's topic is building community amongst Black women in higher ed. We are also checking in on one another as it relates to COVID-19. Y'all stay safe and make sure you wash your hands. On today's episode, we have Kendra Sharp, a student affairs professional specializing in career and professional development. Kendra considers herself to be an HBCU advocate, and those who do not know what HBCU means it's historical black colleges and universities. Um, she considers herself to be an advocate and someone who truly has a passion for educating underrepresented youth. She's a graduate of St. Augustine's University and a, and a current doctoral student at Jackson State University. That is a question that has been posed for people who are considered mandatory and essential employees. Who defines that? And how do you define it? And do you do I know that information when I am applying for a position? Right.
1: Yeah. You know, I saw somebody. Somebody had posted. They said, if you know, if you're thinking about, you know, going to some of these schools, pay attention to the ways that they, you know, let their students know um about the the COVID and and what resources they provide and how right. they let staff know or how they what like what's happening in terms of their response um like what what school was it was a berea that was like giving out was it all of the tuition back or something i saw it posted on one of the wow. student fair sites but you know thinking about how to really support students during this transition is really interesting like I don't know if anybody was teaching a crisis management, a higher ed and finance class or any of that. Like this this would be a really interesting case study Mm -hmm. to to really look at. It would be. Mm. Yeah. Kendra, how you doing? Let's check in with you.
0: I'm doing well. Um, Some of the exact same sentiments because we just received notification yesterday that we will be getting a week off. So I'm still going to work, but students have been sent home. Um, As of tomorrow, the residence halls close. Um, And then I guess we're just kind of getting a bit of a break. Um, But I, I think some of the topics that you brought up, Valerie, are interesting. Like, I think I saw a post that was similar to the one you just mentioned about pay attention to how and how your employer treats you during this time. Like I know a lot of parents, I don't have kids myself, but I know a lot, a lot of parents who are struggling because their employers are not being sensitive to the fact that they don't have daycare. Like they have to figure this whole thing out. Right. Um, and then also the topic of essential and non-essential staff, who is non-essential, who is essential? How do you determine that? And just like you said, Dr. K, like who, how do you do? You know that on the front end like it really brings up hr i think um and the role that hr plays um in higher ed and other professions but since we're all in higher ed um just just the role that hr plays in making sure that everyone is one well versed in what the, the policies and procedures are but also preparing being in a position where you're prepared for a crisis because a lot of people we're scrambling and still are scrambling yeah. to come up with like an actual plan of action because we weren't really prepared for something like this. Yeah. Um, and so it's definitely been interesting, but at the same time, I don't think that I'm a person who always tries to find the light in any dark situation. And for me, what I'm noticing is that this time is allowing a lot of people to work on things that they otherwise would not be able to, um, whether it's personal or professional, it's just allotting more time um, to focus on whatever it is that that you might want to do. So, you know, it is what it is. I didn't think about that part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Which is crazy because, you know, today was my first day, um, teleworking and I had a moment of Kelly, you're doing the same thing you're doing if you was in the office and I'm not going to speak to what that means. Uh- <laughs> 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 but I said that to say, and then I sat in that and it was like, I have a lot of stuff that I could be doing that I'm about to start doing, but why didn't I have that mentality when I was sitting in the office?
1: Exactly. Hmm. I
0: said the same thing to myself. (laughs) Like,
1: but is it that we don't feel like we can, or that we haven't earned that? Like, is it is it that? Like, is it like, like what do you think that is, though? Are you talking about the
0: opposite, though? Are you talking about like you like, hey, I'm gonna do all of this stuff. Like, literally, I did the exact same thing that I do in the office verbatim right from (laughs) 8 to 5 p.m okay um or yeah 8 to 5 p.m but when I'm in my office and it's not that I have any restrictions I can get the stuff done I just I just be like all right let me have a meeting and then I you know finagle that but being at home you know I can still have meetings virtually but it's a feeling of oh I feel more empowered to get everything done here Hmm. in the office hmm. and i don't know why like i didn't change the only thing that changed was the fact that i was home rather than in the office today so greater productivity exactly that's what i was going to say i think yeah. it just proves that people can still be productive at work and i think that i think that this really just shows that employer employees can still be productive at home And that I think that, I mean, in terms of retention and turnover, I think that it would help some companies and organizations to sort of maybe look into, okay, you know what? We're going to let our um, employees work from home two days a week, like, as part of, like, a benefits package. Um, Sometimes with certain companies, more so, like, on the tech side, you'll see that as part of the benefits or why it's a great place to work because you get to work from home two or three days a week or whatever it is. I I feel the same, though. I've been super productive, Like, like, just as if I were, you know, working when there were students in my office and everything was just, like, regular scheduled programming. So I like it. I like the whole work from home thing. Of course, students are not here. And so it does a lot for more downtime, but, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's been interesting,
1: but then have y'all seen like the reverse of, well, not even the reverse of that, I guess the part two of that, that you know, that now sometimes, like, some of the employers are like, okay, I want a count of what you did, like, the spreadsheet of where, right, where you, okay, I mean, what you do at 8.05? What'd you do at 8.10? What'd you do at 8.30? Like, or that you have these meetings at the middle of the day. Like, have y'all seen kind of that transition? I my job, because
0: I probably will ask for you to send me your spreadsheet first. <laughs> we have to first. Oh, and y'all so, do. Yeah. So part of that paperwork is our agreement, um, which includes my my schedule. So I'm in the office Monday and Tuesday, but I'm at home teleworking uh, Wednesday through Friday. And then we had to submit um, what projects will we be working on in the due date. So for me, like I get it. I'm cool with it but for me and the nature of the stuff that I do I can't do a lot of stuff without other people doing their work and so it was kind of hard for me to put what projects I'm going to be working on because I'm like "Uh." the only thing that I do know of is an annual assessment report but I still got to wait on other people to give that to me to get it done Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's kind of tricky for me because I do a lot of as needed projects um and then I do a lot of committee work. So a lot of my days are meetings with students, meetings for committees, or someone saying, hey, do you have data on this, or can you help me with this type of thing? Because I'm more of a consultant position anyway. Uh, So it was kind of hard for me to list that. But yeah, I had to submit that. And I'm working on it. You know, I think, I think I have two kind of schools of thought on that. I'm like, Maybe my part, my feeling is that, especially in student affairs and higher ed, how is it that during a pandemic, you are going to track my time? Mm. How about you track my time during the school year when I'm working weekends and nights and early mornings and you texting me on the weekends and asking me questions? Like, I think that at some point it becomes an insult to the work that we do, mainly because I think of people that work in Red's life. I want them. I Mm. ask them. Ask them what they've been doing and what, you know, I I think about, I mean, people who work in student services, people who are meeting with students remotely, like this is not the time to try to do a productivity check, Mm -hmm. right? Right. When Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you are asking us to to not just deal with, but be in crisis mode. Students are not, this is what I want people, I don't think students are going off on administrators, right? Because they don't necessarily have access like that. But right. who are they expressing their frustrations, their fears? You know, who are they having these conversations with? They're doing this with the frontline staff. Who are you want to micromanage? Right. Micromanage yourself. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. that's my thought. Yeah, don't ask me for no log. Just <laughs> I'm <give> a- <laughs> for real, that's, I I am a person who really doesn't do well with micro Um, but I'm gonna give you A one results if you just let me do my work. That's my in a nutshell, you know. But that's another conversation, working styles and all that great stuff.
1: Well, and I think that also kind of connects to really what we're talking about too, you know, from today's episode and thinking about You know, not only, you know, our institutions, some institutions having folks, you know, do logs and things of that nature, but then also the conversation of having um, virtual um, happy hours or, you know, meetings kind of with everyone. I think that was something that they had talked about as a department. Okay, let's get everybody together just to check in, even if it's, okay, you know, I'm, I'm watching the view. Okay, well, as long as you're checking in, just to kind of know that and making sure that people... I don't know. Feel seen, kind of, in this time, um, but that really kind of connects to what we're talking about, um, and really kind of thinking about how um, valuable, kind of, building like a community is. So, yeah, no, don't know. There's all kinds of things as it relates to that. I think that's important for us to really be thinking about. So, I guess there's some questions, you know, as the, we kind of we're currently already there, but kind of I guess to kind of go deeper along with that. So. What do you think um, is kind of the I- ideal community for black women in higher ed? I mean, is it a different one? Is there a certain way that community not only needs to be formed but protected as it relates to black women? Like, what, like, Kendra, like, what do you think? What do you think as it relates to that?
0: Mm, well, <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know exactly, but I'm gonna try my best to answer your question just based on my experiences. So at my institution, we are really big on trying to create black community of a black community of women or a community of black women. Of course I'm at an HBCU, so that's not that hard to do. I think depending on where exactly you work, that challenge can go up or down. But there have been some women who really just don't want to be a part of a community. Mm. Um, unfortunately. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, we, I'm a person that's like all about respecting a person's decision. Like if you say no, you don't want to do this. That's cool. Like I'm not going to give you a side eye when I see you tomorrow. Like we're still cool girl. I'll still give you a compliment, all of that. Um, but I think it just takes like in any other project, a leader, someone who is sort of like that first person who's kind of like opening up a segue to where everyone else wants to be a part. And here we have that person who's just really like, all about community, all about pulling people together. Um, and through her efforts, she has been able to kind of create this coalition where everybody, not everybody, but the people who want to be a part are a part. And we do things and we get together and we meet, even if it's on campus, like let's just go to the CAF together today or whatever it is. Um, we had Women of Excellence Week last week where we celebrated women. Um, all over the world just because of International Women's Month Um, and so that was awesome and I found myself kind of collaborating and talking with women on campus that I normally wouldn't Um, so I would definitely say for future like anybody who's looking for a way to try to bring community um, about their institution or about their circle their tribe um, celebrating like maybe doing a two to three day celebration can sort of really get everybody excited and and sort of start that process of building lasting sort of meetups, if you will. Those are my thoughts. When when you talk about like, I I know you mentioned someone kind of spearheading it, a leader. Do you like? I feel like oh, how can I put this? I'm trying to be good today. <laughs> you know, Dr. K, we used to it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let it flow. Oh no, my favorite line is all all skin folks and camp folks. I agree. Oh, yeah. we, and then when you tackle on, when we're just talking about Black women, and then some of the things that you said, Kendra, in terms of not everybody wanting to fulfill the need that they need to be, you know, build a community for Black women, regardless of where you're at. But then it's like, how, how does the right person, well, who is the right person to get, get things going? And then for me, it's kind of like the sustainability of the community. Yes, because we can get so caught up in like right now a crisis mode and let's build a community of black women in higher ed digitally so that we can support each other. And then the crisis is over and it's like, all right, so nobody still wants conversation. <laughs> like, I'm just I don't know. That's true. I do agree that the sustainability part is the is like the hardest part of all, because now that Women of Excellence Week is over it seems like much more of a struggle for everybody to, you know, like people are texting in the group chat, but ain't nobody answering. Only a few people liking the post. It's just like, yeah, I, that is a good point. The sustainability part. That's something that, yeah, I'm not really sure about. But one question that I do have along those lines though, is when we create these groups, are we asking the ones that are participating? How do we want to carry this on? Because I think part of what I hear is no that there needs, excuse me, the group needs some accountability pieces. Like what, and not, not, not like, excuse me, what are you going to do? But mainly like, okay, you have to want to be in that group, which means you have to want to participate, which means that if you participate, it's because you want to be there. And I think part of it is saying, okay, so can we commit to what, what can everybody comfortably commit to, to help your own personal support? and I think that that just differs based on um, the campus, based on the women on campus. Now, who should get it together is a great question. But if you know that people don't necessarily jive with you, right. you're not the one to put it together. Just And you know if that's you. <laughs> it. I agree. Because, you know, if you're the one that nobody really wants to be around this leading the thing, you're like, God there. <laughs> Man, yes.
1: you, <laughs> and you always know the one that's is they're doing it for the 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 publicity of it, yeah. not for really wanting to build sisterhood and like a bond, like they're really just wanting like the privilege of it,
0: right? The accolades that comes with
1: it, yeah. yeah. But the question is,
0: is what accolades come with more work? Just to say that you <laughs> created something, like I think that you know women who can up the person who really should be working at it it's probably the one that doesn't really want to do it because that's probably the person that people jive with the most the kelly dixons the valerie Thompsons of it all you know (laughs) the dash lewis's like those are the people that are like you know i would love to get together because you know if, if people are always drawn to you that you are likely that person now with that being said it becomes taxing on you right because you become the one to have to send out the calendar invites to have to and so i think the one of the better approaches is that if we're if we have those people on our campus you know who are the organizers they find a grad student Mm. somebody that can do some of those other pieces and show them how to organize something similar you know what I mean? Like if that's what you want to do. So, because I'm, I'm I'm thinking about like those groups on Facebook, like Black women in higher ed or Black women um, getting PhDs and th- those types of communities. So supporting you for a particular cause, getting your your dot, and then I'm always like, so after I get it, how do we continue to support one? Another? Then is mm. I really want your support? Yeah were you supportive in the group in the first place or were you just liking messages? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> like how people respond to support, how people show up for support is I think we don't talk about that enough.
1: But, but is it, is it more though that we need to know what we need in terms of that support? Like, is it that we need to come to the relationship or come to the, the building of it saying, okay, I need these four things in this to feel fulfilled. Like, cause if we don't meet, if if we don't meet the situation with that, can we therefore blame folks for not necessarily meeting us where what we need? If we don't say from this group, I need this type of bond. I need this type of community. Cause I think about, there was an organization I was involved in when I was living in Nebraska and outwardly it had all kind of people who was, who, who, who were the, they were the young people who were the movers and shakers or whatever. And I thought that it was going to be a something, a different situation. But when I got in that organization, they wasn't about nothing. They weren't about anything, but I also didn't require them to do something. Like I didn't require that from that group. Um, so I didn't really, even though I paid my money and I was in that organization for two years, I was like, wow, this was taxing to me. I wasn't asking for that community to be something that I needed and I wish I would have. So do you think it's that we need to come to the table saying, okay, so this is what I got from this kind of even before, maybe virtually in these groups, because maybe, especially because I I know there's a lot of doctoral groups or, you know, when you're a doctoral student, but in that crossing of the finish line, okay, so this is what I need in order to feel supported from these groups. Is that, is that an important facet that we're missing in that?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I agree. I do think that that is something that we're missing. I, I really do think that as individuals and as women, um, it helps walking into any situation, but specifically those support situations when we know what it is that we need. And sometimes when we do walk into those situations we and we don't necessarily know or we haven't figured out quite what we need, we look for support in many different ways that doesn't really support us. And so then that leads us feeling as though, Oh, well that, that wasn't helpful, which indeed it could have been. However, our mindset, our track was not focused on what we individually need. Um, that's a great point though, Valerie. I also think that that would be helpful too, as a supporter, how do you give support? How do you show support? You know, because it's a, it's a two way street, but um, it is a two way street, and I know for me, when I'm in whether it's a small community of black women or one on one, I'm always asking, you know, how can I show up for you? What does it mean for me to support you? What do you need? So I'm asking those questions because I know some of the stuff that people need, I ain't able, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. <just> not able. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you. So basically going into these groups, having like, here are the things that I can do, here are the things that I, or this is what I, here are my expectations. Right. Like, yeah. like for instance, I am a texter, emailer. I don't really do the phone conversations, only with select few. And so if me showing up for you is saying, well, Kelly, I need you to um, call me. Uh, I can hit you on Zoom. (laughs) I don't know. It's just something about being on the phone. I just, yeah, some, yeah. So I know with one of um, one of uh, one of my colleagues, I'm at a different institution. We do uh, power check-ins like every other Friday, and we do it through Zoom, and we just talk about you know goals that we have going on, you know, a little bit of our personal life, and just you know how we support one another, and that to me is refreshing. Um, so doing, and I'm supporting her and she's supporting me, whether she knows it or not in our career trajectory and just having another black woman that, that just wants to sit and listen and talk to me about whatever we're talking about. Um, so those power check-ins are very beneficial because that was one of the things that when we started talking was how do we, how do what does support look like? How do you want me to show up for you? And she was like, you know, if you can check in every other Friday, we can do 30 minutes on Zoom. That works. I'm like I'm game for, uh, but I think it, it really has to do. I mean, you're not going to know all that you need when you go into these communities because sometimes you go into a community and realize what you don't have and how someone can assist you. But having a little bit of knowledge of or self awareness of what support looks like to you, I think, is going to benefit the entire community and how you mm. uh, proceed in it. I kind of want to go a little bit deeper than than that. I think also part of it, and if and if I could just be real honest, is that there, you know, I can say that sometimes I have a fear uh, and, and not of connecting, but that fear of like trusting in that circle and being able to share and really being able to be vulnerable with a group of people who, you know, kind of to your point, Kelly, off. Uh, skin folk and kin folk and just but just like all women are not supportive all black women are not supportive of each other and I think that that hinders you know one's ability to want to connect to want to be vulnerable to want to participate because if I hear something that I said in this group (laughs) out of somebody's mouth that's not in this group it's gonna be a problem to me I loyalty means a lot yeah and and apart my cutoff game is real strong like (laughs) I'm talking about 10 years probation on a grudge
1: well and the other piece with that too is that it's also not what people tell you it's what they show you too because even if that you don't hear what you're saying to other people but if you hear how they running somebody else down But yet they're the person who, oh, go see this person. They they're gonna develop you. They're gonna support you. They're you know cap power to the people. Um, specifically about Black women. I think of a conference that I went to, and I was told that this person was gonna be. You gotta talk to her because she's gonna be. She's gonna be it for you. I got there and I was like, ooh, my spirit. It she just it just didn't sit right with me. And that was like the first meeting, and I was like, okay. So I also think kind of to that point. It's all of all encompassing, right? It's not only what they're saying, you know, kind of taking what you say, but also what they're putting out there as well. Agreed. Kendra, what are, what are you thinking? Kind of that kind of this whole idea of what does that look like, you know, and even kind of thinking about kind of the point of when you're identifying these communities or you're identifying these folks, you know, like. How do you know? Because think about the new professionals coming in, the new black women coming in these positions. I mean, all, we, all they see is so-and-so who's the, who's the director of, you know, multi or, you know, the vice president of whatever, and it's awe-inspiring. You see these black women doing it, but then how do you, and you're thinking, okay, maybe they could be my community. Like, okay, they look like me. Like, how do you discern, you know, if these are the people who are going to be my, my call-in people, my community? Because it's not just about, okay, so they outwardly look like they go through life like me, because just because they look like that doesn't mean that they could be that for us. So- well, I,
0: yeah, I, I agree that, um, you know, sometimes it can be hard to tell. But I do think that as long as you kind of exercise your discernment, if that's really a thing, I don't know, I feel like I've been blessed with the with the spirit of discernment. Um, and I have definitely had some experiences, like you guys mentioned, where you think somebody is so lit and you can't wait to talk to them at this conference, and you already got exactly what you're going to say because somebody else told you, oh, you absolutely need to talk to this person. And then you do, and they're like, not really nice. They don't want to help you do anything. Um, and the whole dream is just kind of shattered. One thing I think that's important, and I know this is a little bit opposite of what we're talking about, is just to be self-sustaining before you can even bring yourself to being in with the group, you know what I'm saying? Like, and actually having an impact. Um, be okay with somebody not turning out to be the person that you thought or not wanting to be part of your community or your tribe and just just being okay with that, I think is an important prerequisite um, to even going into community. But I don't know, I just kind of, I'm a type of person who always just tries to see the good in people. Like I said, I always see the glasses half full instead of half empty. So I'm just always hoping for the best until otherwise until I see otherwise. Um, And then I just kind of adjust accordingly. (laughs) And like Anne said, my my cutoff game is pretty strong. Um, (laughs) But I'm also a very forgiving person too, which is really like a gift and a curse. but I don't know, I feel like I'm veering off to another subject. Hopefully I answered your question. I think it can be hard to tell, but I think everybody just deserves a fair chance. And until you feel those vibes that are like, okay, this person has bad energy or this person don't even really want to be in this group. So let me just stop asking them to come to lunch because they really are not interested and, you know, just move on from there. I think you said something really important. So uh, what did you say? So um, sustainability in a sense. Yes. Um, I don't think we do that enough. I don't think I do that enough. <laughs> like, I'm okay being by myself. I don't have to be a part of anything. Well, I use anything loosely. I was about to say. You ain't got to invite not- me, you know, because I got enough stuff going on. You ain't got to invite me. But the right. same time, I've noticed that once once I got this uh, degree, I felt like I needed to be in certain spaces because of a degree, even though I didn't want to be in them. Really? Hmm. Speak on that a little bit more, Dr. K. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. So let's see, can I think of some examples that are worth telling? Uh, so for instance, like, you know, before I got the degree, most of the the circles that I kept were like-minded people, you know, not in doc programs or what have you. And as soon as I got the degree, it was like, one, I started getting more uh, opportunities to work with people that have doctor degrees that have been doing this work for a long time. And I get into the, you know, hey, we want to invite you to lunch. Hey, come to this meeting. And I'm like, okay, because I got the doctor in front of my name. Now you're inviting me type of thing. So I don't want to go. And then I get there, which validates the reason why I don't want to go. And I think that when you get to a certain point in your career, people just assume that you need to flock with certain people uh, because of either what you do or the expertise that you have. And that's just not me. Like if I'm like, I take for instance, at a conference, I don't want to be around a lot of VPs and AVPs. No, I don't want to be around a lot of doctors and people that just got their degrees. No, I'd rather be with the grad students and hang with them. And you know, Catch up, what's going on? Learn about um, their experiences rather than being around people that individuals assume I should be around because we have like-minded credentials, etc. Um, right. But I think that that's even very different, though, when we talk about support. The question is: Are you then ask Are you then creating a community of support from these grad students, mm-hmm. or who is your what would that community of support look like? Because you know, one of the conversations that I have had um, since kind of being in a director role is how lonely it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not very many black women as in different levels as you go up. The diversity of that level kind of dwindles, as we know. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about isolation, like people don't, they can't jive with your experiences because they don't know what that looks like. Right. You know, they don't know what that feels like. Um, and so... You know, how does that look? What does that support look like then? Yeah. So for me, the support I get from the conversations and the community I build with grad students, is more so because I know I want to move up. Right. And the people that are going to be in positions that I need are currently in school right now. Right. And so learning um, the ins and outs of their experiences is going to help me be the leader that I, I know I need to be, as opposed to the support from individuals that are higher up than me. And I'm a different type of leader. I'm a different type of scholar than what they're used to. Like, I'm not, y'all know me, I walk in with some Jordans, and I'm perfectly fine with that, and they don't, <laughs> they're not rocking with it. Or if they say something and I go against the grain and it's like, mm, you ain't been here long enough. It ain't got nothing to do with my age, you know, or how long I've been here. And so I'm a, I'm a really different kind of scholar that current leadership has not been used to. But you're talking about scholar. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about personal support. Where does that come from, right? So that. I ain't for that. <laughs> you said what? I ain't looking for no personal support. Come on, like, Kelly. That's what I was like. Yeah. Come on. In any support I'm looking for in my career, it's career driven. It ain't got nothing to do with me personally. My personal support is from, if I do get personal support from people in the higher ed, it's individuals that I know, know that I, I know outside of work or want to know outside of work.
1: So that you had a relationship with them prior to.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I don't have a lot of that. That's, those circles are small. So yeah, I'm not yeah, looking.
1: But I that. guess my question. So let me push them. I want to unravel that. Then. So then, how did you know that? <laughs> like, okay. So how did you like? How, like how did you know? Right? Because because I think the 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 misconception is is that okay we get this degree because all of us you know uh because you you done yes. Yeah. But a, a lot of us on this call are, we're trying to get to where you are, right? And so, like, so you knew, okay, so you know what? These are folks, i they are professionally, that I identify as that. They're not somebody who I'm going to connect with who is going to help cultivate and develop something in me that's going to take me to my next step. That's not something that we would necessarily know. So what was it that you that you identified as, okay, so... I'm going to not, I'm going to have to be cautious with who I'm allowing to kind of be that support community for me so that, cause you, you because that's something that that's an important lesson right. because I think sometimes, and I'm going to be real transparent because I think sometimes I could be really moonbeams and sprinkles. Like I literally have, I, I feel like I'm a black unicorn sometimes because there's not a lot of us, the higher you get up, you just, there's not. There's not a lot of you there. I literally have a, a black a unicorn on my desk that is a diffuser to remind me who I am when I'm having these conversations and when I'm challenging and I'm talking about race and I'm all of those things and so like so how did you know that these were the people like that you didn't need to have that type of relationship with them because you already had that?
0: one how they showed up because of my background in counseling, I know the right questions to ask people mm-hmm. to get. A feel of who they kind of are and then the whole life coaching piece too and for me it was the type of interactions we would have so I'm thinking about a set of people that I knew before I got the degree and then the people and those same people after the degree how did they change how did the conversations change um and some with some people that I worked with before the degree the conversations did change and I was like I see you for who you are now and then another piece is you know, professionally, how I'm being pulled into different spaces and the questions that they're asking me, you know, so I get a lot of questions just solely based off of assessment and my expertise, nothing, nothing else. So that tells me you only want to know me for that my education, you know, not me as a person. And if that's what it is, that's how we're going to roll it. But the moment you say, oh, well, let's go out for dinner. No, I'm good on it. (laughs) Because the the relationship has been professional in terms of all you want to know is what I can offer you as it relates to assessment. I don't need that. We don't need dinner for that. So for me, it's really the type of conversations I can have. So I can have people come into my office and we have an hour meeting. And after that meeting, I can say, Yeah, this is someone I can, I can hang out with you after work or, you know, if you need anything outside of an assessment thing that I can be there for you. And then there's some people that come into my office and I'm like, that's all you get. Right. The only time we're going to meet is when I'm in the office. (laughs) That's it. But I think you, you know, that the more self-aware you are of yourself, you're able to see how those connections and relationships should show up for you.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Have you had a similar experience like that, Kendra? Or like what kind of what, how how do you, how do you, how how does that sit with, sit with kind of maybe some of the experiences that you've had?
0: Well, I mean, when one thing that Dr. K has been saying that I've been sort of hearing in my head and that she's made mention of a few times is showing up for me. And what, what does that look like? Does that look like, you just reposted my flyer on Instagram or does that look like you actually drove to where I was to see me perform or do whatever it is? Um, I am like a person, like as far as friends and community or like groups, tribes, I'm a person who's very like, first of all, I'm like a social introvert. So I, I am a person who really enjoys being in social settings, but only for a certain amount of time. And then I'm like tapped out and I'm like, I really need to recharge so i'm not really like a needy person you if you just send me a text message and say hey i saw what you did congrats that's showing up for me and i'm good with that you don't really have to come you don't have to be there like i'm just one of those people that doesn't really need a lot however i do think another point that dr k made is that everyone has roles. um and so are you a person that i'm just going to help when it's business and when i'm in the office or are you somebody that i can work with at work and then we're still cool and I'm fortunate fortunate enough to um, have a fair amount of people that I work with and that I'm also you know cool with outside of work and they really are my support system um, we talk about stuff dealing with work and personal and they show up for me by reaching out when I'm sick or whatever it is and vice versa um, but I think everybody has a different level of what showing up for them really means um, and and what they what they consider to be sufficient as it relates to that. Because I know I have friends <laughs> or have had friends where if I didn't come to something, they would be like mad at me. I'm not even talking about like anything major. I'm like, maybe I ended up saying, Hey, I'm really not feeling well. Um, I'm going to have to cancel our nail appointment. And now like they didn't unfollow me on Instagram and they mad. And it's just like, okay, I know, I, I don't know. But, Everybody has different levels. Me personally, I haven't had really too many big, big issues with it because I just don't allow it to become a thing for me. Um, and so that's that's my those are my thoughts on that. That's real people. People think that <laughs> the world revolves around their activities. If I don't feel good, I know I said yes this morning, but I don't feel good this evening. So no, I mean, <laughs> like. <laughs> We do it another day. And then it's like, one of the things that I want people to recognize, at least for me, is that just because I do it for one, don't mean I'm going to do it for you. And recognize mm. that we all have, I have different relationships with different people. Right. So I've had people say, oh, well, you did, when so-and-so was here, you did that for them. Okay. That's <laughs> not the relationship that we've built. And people right. communicate over that, especially Black women. Yes. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not here for it. <laughs> Clearly, you're not here for any of it at all. Listen, I'm just so big on energies. And coming from all of my education, being at a predominantly white institution, and then being so excited about working at the HBCU with people that look like me, and then getting there and realizing that this is a different type of challenge. Like, why do you feel like you got to compete against me? Like, I don't, I'm just here to do the work. Um, I'm here to help you get to where you need to go and not everybody for me is recognizing that everybody doesn't have the same fuel that I have in this field and that's been the biggest thing for me especially amongst black women yeah and that's the sap I mean I think that that's the hardest part is the you know us being in competition with one each with one another how do you support each other when you're in competition you know then i think it's just the differing levels i think i think there's an acceptance of the differing levels of you know, being like some people are just like really go hard. Dr. K is a go hard all the time. You know what I mean? And there are other people who don't necessarily go hard. Right. But that person y'all may not, I would say like there's something about being on the same or close to the same wavelength with that, with whomever you're going to connect with, because it's very hard if you are a go hard to be with somebody who's like, eh, you know, and, and how that feels it could be because you find yourself becoming a coach you know and and then the support the support piece it becomes one directional right and you're not mentoring them they don't know how to support you back because they don't have what they supporting. what are they using to support you they want you to stop doing as much and I think that's the next thing. Can I get you to stop doing so much? Is that yeah. what people are telling? Is that is this about me? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you in general. I'm not, I'm just saying because I I have that too. I get that same thing where people are like, "You're doing too much."
1: Right. How about you not doing enough?
0: Right. Like, I'm gonna let me do what I do.
1: Exactly. That's true. And I think you had also you said something too. You know, this whole idea of there can only be one or this this competition thing and I, and we've had that conversation multiple times kind of within this podcast and really just thinking about where does that come from is it kind of the structure that says there can only the, the society piece that says there can only be one of us like and how do we unlearn that we understand that there is definite room at the table for most of multiple you know the you know that is you know there's more room than than that that's and i don't you know the funny thing is is i don't hear that being said by folks who are non who are not us like in other in other circles when you know we talk about men like i've been in other circles with women who are not african-american or not black and i've never heard the conversation of oh there can only be one of us like so what is that what what is that 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 it that comes when we you know we talk about black women in community that that's a big piece it's like what and, and who told us that there could only be one Right. And, and it, is that something that can, we, that we can unlearn because in unlearning it, it has the ability to break, to break some stuff off some, you know, to really li- not only li- the liberation of it, but to really change the ways that we show up for each other in higher ed. I don't know. That's my soapbox, but I just.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I, I don't know what it is, the, the the thing that stood out for me, what you said was the whole competition thing. It's just like, gosh, there's enough room for everybody to win. Like, why um, does it have to be that way? But especially in in an arena that is male dominated, just in general, you know, well, as far as administration goes, especially for those of us that are really trying to get to the top when it comes to higher ed. It can be tough as it is. And so, so I've had a funny experience that kind of ties in with everything we're talking about, where I've wanted someone to be my mentor. Like this person was higher up than me. She was in higher ed. She was a black woman. She's killing it. I wanted her to be my mentor, but it ended up working out where I feel like she felt intimidated by me. So she would like, it's like, she didn't want me to get too close to her. So she didn't want to teach me nothing. (laughs) And so it was just like, okay. Like, and honestly, that situation sort of took me out. This was a few years ago, but it kind of took me out to a place where I was just like, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want to be a part of a tribe. Like I don't want to be a part of a black woman community. I'm just going through my own thing because I didn't want to have that type of experience again, where I'm seeking this assistance and you're insecure or got your own stuff going on. And so, you know, we can't just be, be happy and make this thing work out. Um, but yeah. But I, I think that one of the things that we don't talk about though, is that support. So mentorship and support can be two different things. Like that's a different type of support. Right. And so I think that support requires true support. And I guess maybe in any realm to me, it requires vulnerability. Yeah. Right. And I I think that mentor relationships may or may not because you may be mentoring or coaching through, you know, one specific thing. But I do think that at some point when we talk about how can we support one another as black women, it has to come with some level of vulnerability, a willingness to be vulnerable, not necessarily in a huge group, but even in a small circle. I even so I feel like my podcast mates. I love y'all. I feel like we have a certain level of vulnerability that we have shared with one another that, you know, we, we tight like that. Like that's our group. And I feel that way. I feel that And I, even though we've not all been in the same location at the same time, it don't matter. Don't say nothing about Dr. K. It's going to be an issue. (laughs) right <laughs> alone. it's a problem don't talk about j- like nobody anybody can get it right but that was cultivated yeah, yeah that's true it was. It, that's, yeah that's dope yeah mm-hmm. it's hard finding people a group of black women that can do that for everyone can do that for one another and not just one person doing it for all of them in the community because nobody who wants to be vulnerable
1: <laughs> i don't mind it but okay i don't need No, no. I think, I think, you know what, I feel like it's, I think it's important to find the people who you could be vulnerable with.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I, you can't trust. I I think I've gotten in trouble trusting the wrong folks and trying to be vulnerable because they looked like me and thinking that because they represented something that I thought they were going to be, they would be somebody who I can trust. And that hurt me more than anything. So I think, I think you would say, Kendra, you know, the conversation about discernment and, and every and honestly, you know, I can say that I didn't really have that kind of. I was just like, hey, you know what? This is somebody who outwardly they are supporting these students. They are out in the streets. They are protesting They're marching. they're doing all these things. And so outwardly, I thought that they were going to be that. And I trusted and I was vulnerable with them. And it became something that bit me, you know, kind of it it kind of blew back on me. So I think it's also important to, to figure out kind of going to something that you said, Dr. K of like figuring out who these people are and paying attention, not only what they're showing, you know, and, you know, Dr. Dr. Ann, you said, you know, not only what they're showing, but what, you know, they show to others and they demonstrate because that's important.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, the only thing we see is what they do. We don't know why they do. And this is the why factor for me. I want to know why you out here doing this. Is it because you trying to make a name for yourself or someone told you to do X, Y, and Z, or you're doing out the kindness of your heart? Um, and, but that requires a different level. Um, so, I mean, we're just going by face value of people. And then also, the people that tell us about the people. <laughs> Be mindful of those people, too. Oh, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm nothing. I'm not going to say it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just muted. it. It their motivation, right? Cause oh this would be a good person so but what is it what's in it for you in that in that connection in that relationship?
0: Why aren't you connected to them?
1: Right, like if they're so good, is this somebody that's pouring into you or oh oh no 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 I have somebody okay so what's the motivation in it? And that's right. not not to you know that we have to have our guards up all the time, but I do think kind of to the conversation of having that discernment and just mm-hmm. understanding okay so what else what who else are you
0: right beyond
1: your bio? Let's have a real conversation.
0: And then even the flip side, so I've had people um, come to me and say, well, so-and-so told me I should come talk to you. And literally I said, I don't know why. (laughs) 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 I literally said, I don't know why. And they're like, I don't know. know. I'm like, so why are you here? (laughs) And that's how I have conversations to, one, help them to understand that, don't come here because somebody else told you to come here and not know why you come in here. And so that builds on the conversation and some of the people they end up staying and some of them they realize that, yeah, I probably shouldn't have came Yeah, You probably shouldn't have. Dr. K. I'm never going to come and tell. (laughs) Somebody told me to come talk to you. Why? Oh, I just want to know. like Like, I I mean, but I get you. I, I bottom line be- it too. When people come and talk, when students come, or really anybody, I, and they say, "You know, such just told me that I should come and talk to me." Okay, great. So, how is it that I can help you? Because typically, that's what it is—not because you want to check in with me, but it's something that you want that I have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's depending, different. Depending on who told you to come, will also make me think. Oh well, they probably told you to come because I helped them do this. So now you just want to help doing, or you want to, like, for instance, for some students, letter of recommendations, right? Those so okay. are the time to mm-hmm. talk to you because you'll be a good person to talk to. Uh, oh, okay. X, Y, Z. E. I, I just wrote them a letter of recommendation. So that's why you come in. <laughs> like, just tell <laughs> <with> me what it is. Like, don't <laughs> waste time like this. Just tell me what it
1: is. I'm real guarded over who I write letter of recommendations for. I was like, no, nah, you. I don't think you want me to write one.
0: Nice. Same.
1: I need you to have- know what the relationship is like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've definitely denied um, writing recommendation letters for people because of a bad experience with writing a letter recommendation. And then most, I'm specifically talking about as it relates to Greek life. Um, and so I'm just like, they're like, oh, don't ask Miss Sharp. She's going to say no or whatever. That's kind of the reputation that I have. And I'm okay with it because I'm not putting my name on... And, and this is even when we're talking about community again, I think it's important again to just know who you're dealing with. Don't take people for face value because you don't know who you might be putting your name on. You know what I'm saying? And then they go out and act a fool and it's on you. So I don't know. At the same time, I'm one of those, I'm like such an oxymoron. Cause in saying that I'm still like open arms again, as long as you don't give me any reason to think otherwise, I'm always wanting to help people. I'm always willing to, Um, welcome people in and and all of that. But you also have to be really careful, unfortunately. That's the times that we live in.
1: No, I think you you said it, you know, kind of that being careful, but not only being careful of who we're doing that to, but also making understanding that we don't come from this endless reserve, that eventually if we pour so much out to others, eventually there's not going to be enough for us. And I think when we think about support, that's probably almost, that's actually more important because you can't pour from an empty vessel. So that kind of um, leads to some questions, but as we kind of, we're coming to a close on this conversation and, you know, in this podcast moment right now, and just kind of a wonderful kind of experience, but um, there are a couple of questions we want to ask in terms of the closing. Um, but kind of even in thinking about this time frame that we're in, if, are there books that you're listening to that are kind of pushing you that are, you know, pouring into your soul or music that you're listening to. Because we also have, we have a Goodreads list, but we also have a Spotify list that you can listen to as you kind of go throughout your day. Wash your hands, those 20 seconds, those could be some good songs that you kind of go along with. Um, so yeah, so what, what are some books or music that, that you're listening to right now?
0: So I'm reading two books at, at this time. Um, both have nothing to do with each other and they really are me reading just for pleasure. Um, so one is the Queen V by Dr. Becky. I picked up a hard copy of that. Um, I don't know if have seen her so far. There's a lot to learn <laughs> about, uh, health care, And so that's really cool. And then I'm also reading this book called Sell It Like Serhant. I don't know if you guys know about the Bravo show million dollar listing, but Ryan Serhant is this multi-billion dollar real estate agent who sells property in New York city, um, that nobody else can sell. Um, and his book sell it like Serhant. He really just gives tips and tricks on how to sell or how to be a salesman, um, about regarding anything that you're selling, not even just real estate. Um, and so it's just a really good book. Um, and like I said, both of the books are for pleasure. They're not really related to anything with work, um, and all of that. And for the record, the Queen Bee book, I'm reading hard copy, but the Ryan Serhant book, Sell It Like Serhant, I'm listening to on audio books. Um, so I'm like
1: a huge audiobook person. Um, I recommend both books. They're really great. Awesome, awesome. And is there any like is there music that you're listening to right now? Is there a song that's on repeat or a couple of songs or a playlist that you're listening to? All ratchet music. Just all ratchet music. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if it's ratchet, then yes.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll put that in the podcast. Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, And then lastly, um, we've kind of had this conversation. Well, two questions. We've had these conversations about vulnerability um, and kind of the importance of it. But how do you see the idea of vulnerability as it relates to being Black women or even within this field? We kind of circled it, but kind of like, what are your thoughts in terms of being vulnerable as a Black woman in higher ed?
0: I think it's just about trying to trust people, but being careful. Um, vulnerability, I think, is a good thing because when you have your guard up all the time, it has to be uncomfortable. Like just always worried that someone's not going to have your best interest, or always worried that this person's talking about you, or always worried that they, when they posted that meme on Instagram, they was refer, they were referring to you. Like that to me is just toxic, and it's taking up. It takes up a lot of space in your brain that could be utilized for positive things. And so I think being vulnerable is good. Um, But I think that, you know, again, back to the key word, discernment, just trying to make sure that you are paying attention to your gut instinct. One thing I've learned so far this year is that your gut and your body really will tell you what's going on. Mm. and so if it doesn't feel right then it's probably not right like even if you don't understand or you don't you can't peg it you can't put your finger on it like if it's just like "Mm, something ain't right about that like how you talked about the with the lady that you met up with and it just didn't sit right in your spirit i think that we need to just do a better job of making sure to pay attention Mm. to those indicators
1: for sure okay and then lastly um what, if you could just share, what does this podcast or kind of even what the space that we've kind of cultivated in the podcast, like, what do you, what does it mean to you to be able to have these types of conversations in this podcast space?
0: So for me, I definitely think that, um, this in itself has been community building amongst black women. We literally like did exactly what we talked about, <laughs> and I think I've had to be vulnerable I mean because we've never had a conversation before, Valerie, but i've you know felt like I felt confident enough to and, and vulnerable enough to just be myself authentic hundred and fifty percent um and just kind of speak my truth and i'm I'm glad that I did it i've enjoyed the conversation, and it's definitely been very refreshing and I don't know maybe I should do this more often.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we just appreciate it. We we love the space and we love what the space is kind of meant for people as we kind of go different spaces and you know, grad students and undergrads, you know, come up and talk to us about what this space specifically has meant to them. And it's not just women, it's also um, men as well, Black men as well, which is really pretty, it's it's really awesome. And so we just thank you for sharing the space and just being vulnerable and kind of speaking your truth, because that um, that is something that's powerful, especially in this day and age. So thank you so much.
0: But you're right. This is, I, didn't, I mean, I thought about it, but I didn't think about it. This is building community. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> and, it, and it's crazy, you know, like Kendra, as you said, you you haven't, you know, talked to um, these individuals as before. And, but it feels like, I don't know for you, but it feels like, Every time I get on the podcast to record, regardless of who the guest is, I just feel at ease. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know I'm literally at the house or at a lounge, just having real conversations with real people. Mm-hmm. Yes, I definitely agree. If black women <laughs> who want to support each other get together, we are able to have those authentic, real conversations. It's like, hey, sis, like we don't we don't have to have met before. We don't have to be in the same space or whatever it is. We're just able to naturally sort of gel together, I think, um, when, when everybody is on the same page and, and, and in good spirits and all that great stuff, has good energy and all that. Yeah. And I think with the with, with any situation, whether it be at the podcast or it be it just in public, I think whenever um, we show up with a spirit of genuineness, mm-hmm. that is... Connection is going to happen. Yeah. The community is going right. to happen. Mm-hmm. But if 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 there's anyone that shows up who is not as genuine or ingenuine, um, then that's where the divide comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then just remember, we don't need a hundred of us to do. Right. This. Right. It was just five of us, <laughs> and a hundred. People may listen to this, but it doesn't right. need to be a whole army of us to, to make it happen.
1: Well, and I think also, I, I just love the fact that, you know, what this can mean for the person who just needed to hear that they aren't alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, with this whole coronavirus, there's so much of that. I and mean, because there has to be this self-isolation, but even before that, I mean, I was the professional who didn't go to a conference. They weren't allowing me to go to a professional conference. And just being able to plug in and hear folks talk about that experience but then more so than that, like, you're not alone in your role. And just kind of pour in and speak um, kind of encouragement through just this bond I think is is really powerful. So, I don't know. We just thank you for taking the time. We don't take it for granted. We definitely want to appreciate you and thank you for sitting and sitting down and just talking speaking your truth
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for tuning in to another episode of black women voices be safe be blessed and make sure you wash your hands